I am so excited for this week's guest episode. I knew that I wanted this person to be my very first episode. She honestly is somebody who, without her, I would not be podcasting at this point. So we obviously have to have her as the main first episode. Um, She has been a friend of mine for many, many years, but she also is a permanent makeup artist um, who is amazingly celebrating her second year of business. And Caitlin is such an amazing just pile of knowledge. If you do not know her uh, on a deep connection like I do, man, she makes you think about things in a way that... I don't know. She's just such a unique person. Um, she is so near and dear to my heart. And I honestly think she's going to have so much value and insight for everyone who maybe is finding starting their business as not such an easy process. And there's a lot of really emotional stuff that comes up in the process of creating your business. So let's jump into the episode. I'm so excited to share Caitlin with you. Welcome back to The Daily with Emily, where I'll be serving you your fix of all things entrepreneur life, bigger and bolder selling, and the tough love mindset that you probably needed to hear. Okay, Kay, so tell me about your ghost story. Wait, should I introduce you first? No. Yes. Do you want to like it all? <laughs> okay, well, we have Caitlin here today, which is super exciting for me because Caitlin, well, I'm like, I want to share a little backstory, you know, about us, just like a little piece. So Caitlin and I, yeah, from high school, just really, really brief. Um, So Caitlin and I were in high school together. We both hung out with different groups of people. And then we always hung out with older people, though. So we didn't really spend a lot of time in high school together. But then... Everyone graduated and we were kind of left alone. So we had like a small little group of people. Left alone. Left alone. So then we had to, we kind of were forced to be friends. Do you feel that way too? You thought we had to be forced? I think we had to be forced to be friends. But only only because, do you think that we would? I feel like we were like like forced naturally because everyone else was gone and then we were like loners. But we were... We started hanging out when we were still, I don't know. Yeah, like in year 12, because everyone graduated. So like, oh yeah, it's just us. So then it was like a small group of people. Okay, I get what we're saying. So like we were kind of forced to hang out and then we just like clicked. Like we were kind of friends in high school before that, but grade 12. And then I feel like we were like, like inseparable all grade 12. And then we kind of like lost touch because you moved away and like you did your whole thing like tattooing you're gone yeah I just up and moved I don't remember saying goodbye to anybody I don't remember saying goodbye to my parents I just I was like yeah I'm moving to Alberta I need my dresser see you later (laughs) I actually think about it sometimes I'm like I don't think I said bye to literally anybody no yeah I don't remember you saying goodbye you were just gone and I know I remember that was a big thing for you too like I stayed in like my local hometown and you were like I don't want to do this I want to get away from here. I remember you literally saying, like, you're like, I don't want anything. I don't want to be, like, anywhere near my hometown. And now you're, like, kind of semi-back. And I think you feel different. Kind of. Yeah. I had anxiety driving back to my hometown the first, um, for a long time. (laughs) I think a lot of people have that, though. If you move away and you come back, especially with small towns, 
I've talked to a few people about it where they're like, they feel weird driving back because it just brings up so many memories and things that you did when you were younger. Like past anxieties. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's stupid decisions yeah. that we all, I'm sure, have yeah. over yeah, teenagers and stupid. Um, yeah, anyway, so that's how we kind of became friends. And then now it's interesting because we're in a similar industry, which we're going to jump into later. But first, we have, I have a little ghost story about my house, which we're sitting on my floor <laughs> on pillows with blankets on in the middle of day. So it's less creepy, but I'll share, I'll be like creepy myself about this later. Emily thinks her basement is haunted. Yes. So I had two experiences happen semi-recently but both of them happened when my sister so my sister sold her house recently she moved into our basement suite they recently bought another house but they're just in the process of like that's a whole story um so now they're in the basement suite and i watched their dogs for them on two separate occasions so the first scenario was like around christmas time i okay so yeah i went downstairs and the dogs sleep in a kennel and like kind of like the main space and there's a bedroom off of the living room. And the dog's kennel is in the living room. And so the first night I brought them down there. And the bedroom to the side of the living room, the door was closed. And I remember thinking that I was like, this is really weird that the door is closed. Because, like, why would they have the door closed? Like, just, I was like, that's just a strange thing. But I, like, I was like, whatever, all good. And then I left. But I just remember, like, making a mental note about the door. And I went upstairs in the morning and I came to come get the dogs. And the door was open. And I was like, well, that's really weird. <laughs> so I just was like, it was creeped out, but I was like, it's all good, whatever. It was weird. And then the last time I went down there, um, they were just gone this last past weekend. And I went down there and same thing. The first night I go down, the dogs, like their food's downstairs and stuff. And I was like, well, whatever, I'll just like let them wander, have some water, have some food. Um, and I'm just going to go pee quick. So I like went to the washroom, like went into that basement suite, closed the door, went to the washroom, threw the dogs in the kennel. And then I went to go leave. And the basement door was, I shit you not, like a little knob. Like now you lock the door. Literally fully turned to the lock. Like the door was locked. I was like trying to get out. And I'm like moving the door. And I was like, what the fuck? They locked you in? The door was locked. And I said to my sister, really, because I usually don't, I try not to tell her these things. Like, she's usually really good about it. Ashton does think that it's haunted down there, though. Like, really? he'll have showers and he's like, I feel like I like see things. I yeah. Like the. No. What happened? Who lived here? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the basement for me has been, like, I don't know. I feel like upstairs, been, there's been like a couple things, but it's never like too scary. I feel like it's okay. But like just little weird things like that. Cause even it's like, okay, was the door like, was there wind? And like, did the door close yes. or like open or like maybe it, maybe it looked open. It was dark in the morning. It was actually like, or sorry, maybe it looked closed and then it was actually open. Well, I think we always try to rationalize things like that. Yeah. I've, ne I've honestly, thankfully never had anything weird like that happen to me. Otherwise, I'd probably shit my pants. I, I don't like, I like to listen to stuff like this happening to other people, but if it happened to me, uh, see you later it was kind of weird i it was weird like i feel like every time it happens like a little thing i'll just be like huh and then i try not to like pay too much attention to it you like that yeah it's just strange i just want to say it's strange yeah. but i don't feel like bad vibes in my house usually like i feel like it's usually pretty comfortable for me so if there is a ghost here maybe they're just doing their thing making sure that yeah you're shutting the doors when they lock me in <laughs> yeah it's been weird 
Um, anyway, that's like my little ghost story. That's funny. I like it. <laughs> um, okay, but so I wanted to have Caitlin on today because so she has like kind of a semi new business and like she's just celebrating two years. When is two years? Well, two, I guess, I don't know. I always say the first of April is officially two years, but I'm like, that's April Fool's. Right. <laughs> like I just did a giveaway. And I was going to do it for, like, marking the two-year of my business. And I was like, well, I can't do that on April Fool's, like, on the routers. Right. But I made it the third when I, like, announced who won the giveaway because I didn't want people to think about it being an April Fool's joke. Wow. So, yeah, I don't know. The beginning of April, no specific day, I guess. It was, like, a tentative move-in. Like, I, I actually moved into the, the studio space that I'm in right now probably a month before that but I was getting things ready I was like painting kind of organizing things I had only had like a few clients so I consider the April yeah the beginning of April when I officially started so, yeah two years two, two years. years two years in the beauty business and two years offering the services that I offer I didn't I wasn't in the beauty industry before so um what services do you offer Right now I offer, so I started this business taking a microblading course. So I offer microblading, um, some machine shading services. So like combination brows, powder brows. And I also do lash lifts, brow lamination, brow waxes, just the maintenance, smaller services. And very like natural stuff too. I think you're really into like, like obviously I do lash extensions. So like we do like big bolds, but like everything you do, even like your a lot of the work you do on brows, like with the tattoo meat is really natural. Like you always want to make that seem really seamless. It's not so crazy and bold, which I personally love. Yeah, I really, I think there's a lot of stigma around permanent makeup, especially. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of work out there that was done a long time ago. Uh, the pigments were different a long time ago too. So I think with anything, I guess there's stigma around those sorts of things and how long they've been in the industry and stuff like that. So I just really wanted to offer services that were light and natural and really make my work look natural. Yeah. Which it does. And it's like amazing. Yeah. Just to, and you're like hard about yourself. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm very, I, I mean, lots of people say they're their own worst critic, but I definitely beat myself up a lot about all the fine details but on the other hand, I do think that that's what pushes me to be better. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> naturally, right? Yeah. Do you think, I'm curious if you think that it's like a deterrent, like that you obsess about having it so perfect. I think that I've been there with lashes where I've like done a set and I've been like, like that was a big thing for me in my business that like I would do this set and like if, the, if one lash was like out of place or if there was like one thing, like maybe the picture wasn't like perfect. I'd be like, oh, I'm not posting that because it's not good enough. Mm -hmm. And then I think that, like, the way the industry is moving is, especially because, like, when you're focusing on an eye or an eyebrow, like, it's such a close-up picture. Um, but I think it's interesting because I feel like the industry is moving in a better way. Like, a lot of people put, started posting, like, really realistic faces, realistic eyelashes, realistic brows or whatever. And we're kind of moving away from, like, the perfectionism. As much, like, even though we want them to be as perfect as possible... I think it's like these are normal people with normal faces. Um, people aren't symmetrical. Like you talk about that a lot. I just recently saw a post on that. But do you think that it like sometimes can hold you back? Because I think for me it can. Or it would. I think I moved past that. Just some extent. <laughs> yeah. Well, with my work, 
Like, I wouldn't say that it holds me back necessarily. Does it cause me a lot of stress and anxiety? Yes. I feel like I like I want to be really good at what I do, and I've, I still have a lot to learn. Like I said, I've only been doing this for two years. So I want to keep taking training courses. I want to be really good at what I do so that I can offer people that natural look that I'm, that I'm I talk about that I want to uh, make available to people. But I think in other aspects of being like a perfectionist, it can hold, it can hold me back for sure. And it's definitely like, it's hard. It's, it's really difficult to do something. And I know that I put a lot of work into it. I've learned a lot. Um, and that I can see things that probably other people can't. So especially when you're starting out doing stuff like this, I think I think you can really get in your head about like, especially posting photos, like mm -hmm. the amount of photos that I have on my camera roll that I didn't post, maybe just because the photo was a little bit off. I'm like, yeah, I don't really like this angle. Like I should have been standing this way, but I was actually standing that way. Right. How much does it really matter? I, I feel like there's a fine line though, because I really do think that quality is important. And I think people should hold themselves to a high standard. Yeah, absolutely. But I also think that that can become detrimental. And at the end of the day, does it really matter which side I was standing on to take a photo? Right. Which angle I was taking a photo? I don't know. Like those little things, right? Yeah. How often do you like do a set or like do brows or do lashes or whatever the case is? And then you like look at them in person. And you're like, this looks so good. And then you like take a bunch of pictures like, yeah, man, like these are amazing. And then you go to look at them after and you're like, these don't look good. I hate this one picture. Like they look so much better in person. I feel like when you're sitting there you're, and you're obsessing on a photo, it's so different than actually seeing like the actual physical result in person. It makes like the biggest difference. <laughs> I've actually recently watched, uh, whether it was like a reel or something like that on this, um, about photos. Like we can take a photo of our work and it's almost like the longer we look at it and the different angles that we look at it and like the more we put away and then pick up our phone again and just stare at it. It was like, it was like somebody did a reel and it was just like, it started warping <laughs> over time as somebody looked at it because that's actually how it is. You can look at something, you're like, oh, okay, that's not so bad. And then the next time you look at it, you're like, oh, shit, what's that little thing? And then like, yeah, you stare at it longer and it just becomes like a puddle of mess. Yeah. And you're like, well, can't post this anymore because this is just a disaster. Um, when in reality, it actually looks fine. I think only like somebody who's also not a like technician, they're going to look at that like as a client standpoint. And they're probably like, these brows look fucking amazing. Yeah. Again, it's a it's a fine line. And I think. For me, actually, this is something I was thinking about not that long ago. Um, I had a client that I guess you could consider to be difficult. Like mm. she knew she was very, very picky. I've had her a few times. Um, she knew like exactly what she wanted. I I should have known to carve out more time for her when she came back. And honestly, it was kind of fun for me. And I should do this. I haven't done this yet, but I've I've been thinking about reaching out to her the la since the last time that I saw her and thanking her, not for being a difficult client. Maybe that's why I haven't reached out to her. Like, not wordy. Yeah, because I don't know how to, I don't know the wording around it, but she pushes me to be a better artist. And I think some other people can look at that situation and be like, oh my God, I have this disaster of a client. And 
like have anxiety around it. Not to say that I didn't have anxiety around it, but the bigger picture, I just like to take situations like that mm -hmm. and really thank people for what they're instilling in me and by by honestly making yeah making me a better artist i think that that's a really interesting point to bring up because i remember having now i could like literally what's the, what's the term like rip rip myself out of any bag paper bag or something oh, <laughs> from a paper bag control <laughs> <laughs> myself out of a paper bag i don't know something like that um basically the point of it is like that i could talk my way out of any situation because I'm like I've been doing it for so long so like if a client has any type of concern um I just know how to like navigate through those situations but I agree with that because a lot of people will be like this client's problematic where it's like no she just has really specific goals that she wants and like maybe it's like learning to that's what I mean for me with lashes now like I have, like, <clears throat> I have a very specific um system when people come in where like I, it's not a I mean it technically is a consultation but it's just like prior to the appointment to like really get an understanding and then obviously lashes and permanent makeup's a little bit different in the sense where like I always just tell my clients like if there's anything you want to change obviously like they do have that as a for their um what was it, what's the appointment called there like a consultation with the follow-up appointment oh yeah it. so like they do have a chance to like change color and stuff if they I'm sure that if they have anything they really want to specifically change if they want to make them bigger or bolder um but I think that that's just a really important piece that maybe people are lacking. I know I, I've actually get get messages on social media quite often, actually, about be, people being like, I had this situation with this one client. I literally had one today. The girl, like, literally the client ripped out all of her natural lashes. Like, they were non-existent. I could show you a picture. Like, she does not have any eyelashes. Like, she, pull, she pulled the fake lashes. Well, and her normal lash, eyelashes out. Well, yes. Like, I, where's my phone? Um, she literally, this, so this is one of my retention fix students. She messages me and she's like, I've never had this happen before. Or like, this has been a long term client of mine. Like, she says that she didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, she has that, eyelashes left. Yeah. I'm like, that would be 100% client error. I think this zooms in. Like, there's no hair there. So, like, uh that the last tech that wasn't she wasn't responsible for that unless they were like totally completely all glued, glued together right um but that looks like yeah like picky and our um but yeah like knowing how to navigate this through a situation like that on your own um is so huge and i actually think that's something that a lot of people struggle with and there's so many like client boundaries i'm i'm absolutely a huge advocate for um but yeah i think that like looking at things as be and being like what can i learn from this is so much better than just being like that person was problematic and i don't want her back in my business yeah, I mean, by uh, deflecting and not dealing with the situation, yeah. things are going to get better. You're most likely going to have to deal with something like that again in the future. And for me, as someone who is new to this, mm -hmm. I'm two years is still quite new, I try really hard to take every single situation, whether it's kind of a poor situation or, you know, a stressful situation, to really think about what I can learn in this scenario and yeah. what I can take from this because as a new business owner as a new artist as new being new at anything you're gonna fuck up a little bit like, you're gonna have st sticky situations you're gonna have to talk to people about things that are uncomfortable for you uncomfortable for them maybe and all you can do is be open honest as warm as you can tell them that this is something that you are having a hard time with 
Like, all you can do is just be a real person and yeah. treat people like real people because mistakes happen. Yeah. Everybody, you know, everybody has mistakes in their life. That's how you learn. And that you have to make mistakes to be able to learn and grow. 100%. And that's just, that's that's honestly how I have handled a lot of situations in my business that have been kind of, yeah, there's been a few situations that have been kind of uncomfortable for me. 100%. But it... And, like, everybody is so awesome. They're so good with it. Um, yeah. I think that a really big thing for a lot of people is, like, keeping clients. A huge piece of that is making your clients feel comfortable. And I think that, um, you know, like, making sure that they have their hand held through a situation. So if a client texts you with any sort of, like, question or concern about their service that they had done, if you're there and, like, literally just, like, guiding them through their emotions or answering them with their questions that builds such a level of trust that I think a lot of I, I do actually think that a lot of people in the service industry are um really lucky actually mm -hmm. because it's mean, like for me well I, I oh, maybe I forget what it's like to be so new like maybe my first year of doing lashes um but yeah just now it's so easy for me if anyone has any questions or concerns i'm always like right there obviously like there's a boundary if i don't see my phone <laughs> but i do check my phone consistently throughout the day to make sure that everything's you know running smoothly mm -hmm. that's what happens when you have a business obviously mm -hmm. i think people sometimes are like yeah like don't message on after hours or i'm like sometimes you have to because i would feel you know if, if i lost a huge chunk of my lashes and i was like Wait, i don't know what happened um, I would want my service provider to reply to me and like kind of ease my emotions and let let me know like, hey, like my lashes will grow back or this isn't really like that detrimental. Like obviously the lashes got ripped out. They're going to take a little while to go in. There's serum. There's things that you could do if needed. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, having boundaries, I think is important for yourself, especially yeah. when dealing with people. Um, I know lots of people who turn their phones off at a certain time of night. Like, eight. Do you feel like you do that? I don't do that. No, I don't do that. Um, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> maybe, maybe it'll become an issue at some point. I don't know. I feel like. I also feel like maybe I don't have clients like messaging me all of the time, so it doesn't bother me. Maybe if it was the case where I was constantly receiving like, and also if it's a, it's a question that can wait, I'm totally okay to like just get back to them the following day but in those situations where somebody has like a concern like maybe they're having an allergic reaction I want to be able to reply to them yeah. as fast as I possibly can whether that's 11 o'clock at night because that, that's just important to me that's okay if it's not important to somebody else but for me it's important. yeah I I honestly don't have people messaging me all the time either so I mean how, developing those boundaries at some point might be important if for whatever reason it gets to that point but i yeah especially for things like that because people are nervous you know sometimes they even you know as somebody who provides these services you give them as much information as you can but when someone's nervous about getting something done especially a permanent makeup procedure oh yeah a lot of the times the information's kind of like in one ear and out the other so they can be you know up like a little bit nervous and don't really remember what to expect so i think not being, I don't know, annoyed or frustrated that people are messaging, asking the same questions or, you know, needing you to give them the information again. I just think those those things are important. And yeah. those are just, there's nothing worse than being a client and feeling annoying too. Okay, so I think that it's super, super interesting just knowing you as a person that you ended up in the beauty industry, which maybe it's not like, maybe it was like what you were supposed to be because like your mom had a salon 
Um, and I love that you do permanent makeup because that's so your realm of things. But I think it's really interesting, like how you came to be in the beauty industry. So I'd love for you to just like share your story behind that. Yeah. So I always start by telling people this, that I had no experience in the beauty industry and that I didn't work in the beauty industry before. That's kind of not true. My mom was a hairdresser and she had her own salon at one point and she also did nails. Oh yeah, that's such a you did nails like all through our eyes. Oh, I've been good about that. So I, my mom would do my nails and I'm shit with them. I would break them all the fucking time, and yeah. she would get upset with me because I was always asking her to fix my nails. So I was like, fine, fuck you. I'll just learn how to do my own nails. So I learned how to do my own nails, and at one point, just out of my mom's house, I was still in high school. I was just having people come into my bedroom and I was doing their nails. Were you charging for this? Yeah. I think I remember paying you. I used in my house for a while. I had, I literally had a girl that I had, I didn't know who she was. She would drive from Vernon, which is like 20 minutes to my house to get her nails done by me in my bedroom. And you're like, oh, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I guess that's how that started. That was in high school. But all of my, I guess, adult jobs um, after graduating were like, kind of dirty jobs i right after i graduated i moved to grand prairie alberta my goal was to make lots of money so like travel um it, i ended up doing that it just took me a while and so in that time um one of my favorite jobs was i worked at a company called a1 driveline they were a mechanic shop basically um Kelsey. <laughs> and i i was hired to do parts but again I hated like waiting around for somebody to show me what to do. So I just learned how to do things. I was, you are so self, you're such a self star. So like, instead of waiting for somebody to come and like use the, the forklift to take out these like big, massive, um, cores, like transmission cores and differential cores out of the backs of people's trucks. I was like, fuck it. You know what? I'm not going to wait around for this person. I'm just going to learn how to do this myself. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. I just, I really liked that. I was like dirty all the time, really hands-on. Um, they had me like doing other mechanical stuff in the shop. I just liked just learning every aspect of a job. And honestly, when I moved from Grand Prairie, I remember driving out of the driveway of that shop and I was crying. Like, I was so sad to be leaving them. I was happy with what where I was taking my life, but I was sad to be leaving there and them. I really liked that job. Um, then we went traveling, did a bunch of things. I was away for a while, and then my partner and I decided to move back to the Okanagan. We chose Kelowna because he's from Kelowna. And again, I as soon as I got back, um, I started doing landscaping for a small company uh for the city of Kelowna so a lot of my work experience has been like dirty grinding hands-on which I love like the man's world type thing yeah I'm saying that you have to like be a man to work at a mechanic shop or you have to like be a man to work in landscaping I'm sure there's lots of women that do that but well I need just non-traditional women jobs yeah I even when I when I lived in Grand Prairie I always had multiple jobs so I also worked at a sports bar and I just, I don't know. It was just the men coming off of like shift work. They were out doing, you know, pipelining stuff. And I just, I loved it. I just, I've, I grew up with my dad and my brothers, um, just always hanging around guys. And I just felt 
a lot more comfortable around men. They're just easy. Like, I think that's yeah. why I was so sad to leave the shop that I was working at because I just get on with them so well and just loved doing that kind of work. So yeah. I was working for a small company that bid on contracts for the city of Kelowna. Lots of landscaping work. Again, dirty, hardworking, laborious jobs, which I really liked. I'm honestly good at just grinding. You are. <laughs> but it reached a certain point where my partner and I were working the same job. We were also building a tiny house together. <laughs> so we would be outside in the fucking heat of the Okanagan, 40 degrees outside, 35 degrees outside. Immediately after work, we don't even change. We drive, you know, 15 minutes out to Oyama where we were building our tiny house to just like work on that until like 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And I just got to a point where I was like, I couldn't even tell you the last time I put on makeup. I feel, I always say this, I felt like a boy, like a little boy. I was just disgusting and dirty. Like I didn't even own a single piece of nice clothing. It was all just like dirty work clothes, like gross socks. And I was like, I was like, what am I doing? Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I just, yeah, I just didn't want to be dirty anymore. We were traveling for a long time before any of this too, working on farms, living out of our fucking car. And I just like, after three years of working this landscaping job, I was like, I really need to think about my life. Yeah. And what I want to do because I'm miserable and I don't want to do this anymore. So getting into the beauty industry wasn't something that I made like a super conscious decision on. I just, I was really thinking about what I enjoyed, what I thought I was good at or what people tell me that I'm good at. Um, the things that make me feel calm when I'm doing them. And that was a lot of craft stuff. I really like to make mm -hmm. stuff. I've always been, I guess, somewhat crafty, building things, making things. And that's where like my brain kind of tur turns off and I can just enjoy. So I came across a microblading course and I had gone by brows microbladed before. This was probably maybe three or four years prior to this. Nothing done in Thailand, actually. Great experience. Okay, okay. It was great. It was super clean. She was so nice. She had won, like, a bunch of rewards. It was great. And I got the doll. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever done in my life. So yeah. that was the only experience that I had. I literally had never even thought about it. Didn't know how much microblading a person would make. Had, had no idea. And I was like, well, I hate what I do right now. I'm miserable. I have to do something. I have to make some kind of choice. So... I thought about it for a really long time and then I finally just decided to do it. And I was like, well, I'm never going to know unless yeah. I actually try. Yeah. So I purchased the microblading course, which is expensive, which is expensive. And that was, yeah, that was, a, that was a lot because when I did this, we had just finished building our tiny house. Yeah. I, this is so unrealistic, but for whatever reason, I had told myself my entire life that I was just never, ever going to be in debt. I just, yeah, thought, I just thought that, like, I would never be in credit card debt. I was just never going to be in debt. So we honestly just use our credit cards to buy whatever we needed to build this house. So I was in debt for the first time, and I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm already in debt. May as well do this, too. So I committed, did the microblading course, really liked it. And then after that was done, I, because I had never actually thought fully about what I was going to do, 
I realize that a lot of people start doing these things, even whether it's like nails, hair, lashes, whatever. Lots of people are able to start doing that inside their houses. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's not really an option for me because yeah, I was never talking to you about this. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was like, huh, I've done this course. This is something that I was kind of thinking about. I haven't even thought about where I'm going to go or what I'm going to do. So I guess I'm going to have to look for <laughs> a place to start this. You're such an interesting person because I feel like you were the most thought out, have everything set up in a very strategic plan and method or plan and method and organized in most days but there's also some things that you're just like fuck it i'm doing it man i don't give a fuck we'll just go with the flow and figure out this figure out how this is gonna work so i think that's just such a funny interesting piece to you as a person <laughs> i just i don't know sometimes i just sit there and i'm like well i'm literally never gonna know yes this. i try i love that so again yeah i just take out i just all just just do the thing. Yeah, just do the thing. And I try to tell people that too, because, you know, the hardest part is just starting. And sometimes you literally just have to turn off your brain for a second and just say, fuck it. And you're never going to have everything figured out. Yeah. Duh. It, it just gets figured out as you go. So I think there's like a little bit of time where I was trying to figure out where I was going to go. And I was like looking at rental places, rooms to rent out of salons and stuff like that. Um, and then honestly, not long after I finished my course, a space became available inside of a woman's gym in Kelowna, BC. And I was scared because I just started this. I don't even really know what I'm doing. Yeah. And no clients, no experience, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> no business experience. No, not nothing. You're just like, no money. No, I was in debt. I'm yeah. living in like a shoebox. So I... I don't know. I It was a really good space. They weren't even advertising and parking was a really big thing for me. It's yeah. not downtown. I hate going to places downtown. And so I was like, I don't feel ready for this, but I would be stupid not to. Yeah. Not to say yes. So yeah, not to the, here's the thing. Here's the reality. If you don't take a leap and find somewhere to do your work, that's the end of your career. If you don't have anywhere to do it, you literally do not have a job. Yeah. And I could have quit, sure, right yeah. then and there. Been the what? a waste of fucking money. Yeah, I'm like, well, I guess I can't find a place. Can't do it inside my place. I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I shouldn't. Just do make this. a tiny home into a soul. I never actually thought about that for a second. <laughs> I was like, hmm. Well, if we ever live in a regular house, so this could just be by sitting alone. Yeah. I just thought of like a mobile salon for a bit. I was like, that's probably not very ethical. No, you're tiny home around. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I don't know. I guess I just jumped feet first. And I think a lot of people are afraid of the unknown. Yeah. I am too. Yeah. But in certain situations, it's like, you also don't know what to be afraid of because you don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. I always say to my partner, Garrett, that like, that we always like set ourselves up for failure first. So it's like, what we're always just thinking about all of the negatives. The outcome is going to be negative. Like, I'm not, I'm going to buy this place or I'm going to rent this place. I'm going to make no money in my business. And I'm just going to need 14 out of $1,000 or whatever a month on this space that I do not have. But the other opposite of the reality is that you might be fucking busy. You might literally be booked out every single month. You may be making $30,000 a month and that $1,000 that you're investing in your business every single month to that space is literally pennies compared to what you're making on as an income. And I think that that's just so interesting because we naturally always move to the negative outcome where we need to like also just realize that like 
it's a lie and that it's a you basically have a 50 50 chance of like okay it could be shitty and negative but also could be really positive and amazing and like obviously it took time to build your business um something we talk about a lot and like i love that you talk about this because it's true as i'm kind of like transferring and building a new business currently um i love that you always say it's like therapy like that's something so can you talk about that a little bit yeah so starting a business is not easy it's not it's fucking hard it brings up all of the emotions and all the limiting beliefs and craziness like i think for me anyways it's like okay starting a business i need to i don't know get a booking system i need to make a a platform i need to like get my instagram organized i need to learn how to make highlight real covers <laughs> i need to make a web you know a website yeah those those things are you know that that's one side of it where yeah i watched a lot of youtube videos and i spent a lot of hours learning how to do the teeniest tiniest little thing but the other side that not many people talk about, I feel like, is that, yeah, starting a business is like going to therapy because you're going to go and start this new thing and it's going to bring up all your past shit. It's going to bring up all your traumas, all your insecurities. It's going to bring the why you think about certain things why you put limitations on yourself like there's so many things yeah it's gonna bring all the things that you feel inside that you've been pushing down for years and years and years to get by up to the surface and it's gonna literally hand you these things on a platter and be like so this is your shit are you gonna fucking deal with it what are you gonna what are you gonna do with this shit because if you don't do something with this stuff you're gonna fail you're not you're not gonna progress you're not gonna be able to get the results that you want if you don't deal with this stuff that's like staring you right in the eyes. Yes. I actually was just listening to this thing and I might butcher it, but it was talking about how most of us like set goals of like in our business, we're always using our, um, what is the part of your brain called? There's a I feel like I subconscious. Oh, we're, when we're trying to do start our businesses or make goals with our um, conscious mind, um, that's only 5% of our brain. And then the subconscious is 95%. The subconscious is responsible for like all of the like literally our identity things that we don't even think about it's us as a person and so what a lot of us need to do is start like tapping into the subconscious and working through um to then get rid of all the limiting beliefs that are coming up and that's why like so many people are like you need to set a goal and you need to do this and just work really fucking hard where it's like no i think that a lot of people don't really realize that like yeah that's a piece of it but also like choosing to have us as a as a changing our identity to being like i'm gonna have a successful business i am capable of making money and more like bringing up the positive of like a better outcome for ourselves is such a piece that i think a lot of people are missing and that's something that i personally have had to do so much work on with myself recently and just like chopping down the limitations and being like yeah, this can be really fucking successful and I'm going to take a chance on myself and I'm just going to go with the flow like we just talked about, like just do it. Mm -hmm. And for me, a lot of the time there's no, I'm not willing for it to not work. So I've decided that in myself. I'm like, my business is successful. I'm not sitting there and just like trying to shape and run off goals that may or not be may or may not be working like to sit there. I feel like people just like want to hustle so hard sometimes where it's like there's also that huge piece where we need to like just make sure 
that we're also doing that inner work as well, which is essentially like the therapy part of things. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard even going to therapy, like go to therapy for a reason, but you don't expect all of these other things to be attached to it. And everything is connected. Yeah. Everything's connected. And like you said, you know, subconsciously we might have all of these things and these insecurities, traumas and things like that, that we never realized we were never faced with. It's things that we're told when we're younger or things that we internalize that happened to us in like high school that maybe you didn't even think about it when it happened to you in high school, but it's still there. Like it still bothers you to some degree. And for me, like starting a business, a lot of those things started to come up and it feels like they just come out of nowhere. It feels like it's all of a sudden, like, I didn't think that I had a problem with this. I guess I do. Now I have to figure out what I want to do with that and how I want to turn things around. And the whole, like what you said, um, how you recently started to face some of these things head on and having to deal with some of these things yourself too. This is, I'm very much at the beginning of this. Um, I feel like I'm just like a baby learning all about all of this stuff still, because it's, it's again, it's, it's difficult and it's hard to like (laughs) take your programming and choose to do something different with it and like think positively about situations that ultimately feel negative those are hard decisions to make and it's hard to tell yourself that things are going to be awesome and that things are going to work out well and yeah make that trajectory for your life when you're like in the middle of it and you're still figuring things out and I just want to say too like it's okay to feel those things and you don't have to feel positive 100% of the time no not about not about just I think that's a big thing. We're in such a big place of like toxic positivity. Yes. We're like 100%. You need to, number one, pull out those negative bad things that you said from your childhood traumas, all that shit. Pull that from the subconscious mind to the conscious mind and then be able to process them through the conscious mind. Essentially get rid of them. Move. I mean, I'll get rid of it, but like create a space of like figuring out what your old patterns are. And then being able to bring in new, replace that negative with the positive when you're able. Yeah. I think people do not focus on that enough. And I was going to say too, we, so Emily and I are part of this group where there's entrepreneurial women together. We meet um, at the end of every month. I missed this last one, but I went to the first one. And at the end of the group session, whatever, they just go around in a circle and ask everybody like what they're thankful for. And for whatever reason, I chose to say that I was thankful for the hard times and the hardship because if you don't have those hard times, mm-hmm. what are you learning? Mm-hmm. If you have something that happens to you that's negative, hard, difficult that you have to overcome and you decide that you're just going to quit, what have you learned from that? Like there's nothing to gain from oh shit, this is really hard. I don't want to do this. I don't want to look inside. So I'm just not going to do it. You have to go through hard shit. You have to have hard experiences to be able to do better and to grow and to learn. Well, and also when everything, it's funny you brought this up with business because I talk about this with relationships all of the time, that when you're, everything is always happy. Like people are always like, I want the perfect relationship or I want the perfect friendship. Everything's always happy, no problems. The problem with that is that when everything is going really smoothly and good, 
if you have no downtimes or no shitty situations coming up and shitty emotions, you don't really appreciate the good times. Like for me, like when I'm in a situation with my partner and things are really bad, or like say we're fighting or like things are emotional, always after that moment, we are like the best we've ever been because I think I can really appreciate that happy time as for like when things are just always kind of like when they're good for a long term. I'm like, well, yeah, you just, you just don't appreciate it as much. So I think that the same goes for in business as well. I think, yeah, I think that's a good point because I, I think that that's what the definition of love is. I think for long-term partners as both, like we would know. Yeah, I've been with my partner for almost nine years. You've been with Garrett 11 years. Yeah, nuts. Um, I, the way I look at love is going through really, really shitty stuff. Yeah. And really, then she was in to be together. Yeah. Really hard times. And you love someone more and more, the more shit that you go through yeah. and are able to get out on the other side and look at each other and be like, that fucking sucks. Yeah. But yeah. here we are. Going in business too, right? Like you could look back and be like, man, I fucked up that whole launch. Exactly. I fucked up that person's brows. I fucked up like that person's lashes, like whatever the case is, right? Like whether or not if you go business or not, but like to look back on it and then you appreciate it. You're like, man, that person's eyebrows turned out fucking amazing and I'm pumped on how good those look. Or, you know, if, if you fail a launch and you learn from it and maybe your next launch is even fucking better <laughs> because you learn from your experience. Yeah there's, yeah, there's always something to be learned out of whatever experience you have. And that's, I don't know, just even just sitting here, I'm like, maybe that's just what I've taken from my life so far. That yes, I've done... I've done things and like experienced lots of stuff and sometimes it's neither good nor bad. It's just an experience. That it's just you, an experience. It's an experience that you take with you and gives you more tools for your tool belt to be able to conquer something later on in life. I was just talking about this on stories that I don't know if you know, I was, you were going to get your nails done. <laughs> to my <laughs> um, but like you made, you made the story. Yeah, I made it as an Instagram story today because I was just recently thinking about, um, the, just how things grow and evolve in our lives and how like I remember doing back like a couple years ago I was so obsessed with like diets and like dietary theories and like I was gonna heal my body mm -hmm. with like feeding it like the perfect most clean food and the perfect diet and it was interesting because all these other things came up at that time like it was like oh try meditation or manifestation um tapping um the body code like all of these spiritual type things and I wasn't open-minded to it at the time because I was so focused I'm like I'm gonna heal my body through sleep because it was very like you're very singularly focused yeah like I, I that's all I could focus on yeah. that moment and then as thing now years later I and I feel like I have this my relationship with food really under control and now like things have grown and now I'm like really open-minded to like the spiritual healing, childhood traumas, all of these things. So it's like, I think that sometimes you look at life and there's, it's so overwhelming, like all the knowledge that we need to take in and be learning and growing from, but it's like, it all just like, it literally takes time. If you, if somebody like downloaded everything into my brain that I know now in like when I was like 21, I'd be like, holy shit, I can't absorb any of that. Yeah. It takes like, you really have to like learn things in slow increments to really get the whole picture and di like digest everything. Different so, experience. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think it's really cool moving on into this new next portion of my life, like 
being more open to that spiritual side. And then, you know, by the time I'm 40, like I'm going to be turning 30 this year, by the time I'm turning 40, I'm going to be like, you know, all this other information that I was able to like digest and absorb. Um, and yeah, it's just always like great. I don't think everyone is into like learning as it me and you are. Like, I feel like we both are like, oh, I was reading this thing. I'm learning this right now. And maybe not everyone's into that. But we love to learn. We love to learn. But I think that's also a piece of owning a business too. Like wanting to grow your business. It's like constantly learning, evolving, trying things. Well, it's like, I guess it's probably part of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Well. And I think about this sometimes because... Just, you know, listening to entrepreneur podcasts and business yeah. podcasts and stuff. A lot of people ask questions like, like Tim Ferriss always asks, I think it's Tim Ferriss, um, it, whether people think that you're born an entrepreneur or if you are created, essentially, like the aspects that that are required to become an entrepreneur. And I always ask myself, like I go back and forth, I'm like, am I an entrepreneur? Like do I have I always had the qualities to be an entrepreneur and sometimes I think about certain things and I'm like yeah okay I could see that like I was trying to sell jars of pickles to all my neighbors when I was a little kid for 25 cents like so maybe that made me an entrepreneur doing nails out of my mom out of my mom's house like and out of my bedroom and that made me an entrepreneur that's so interesting I'm like I need to ask everybody that's being a business podcast I yeah asking people that because now I need to think about that for myself too because I remember being like a little kid and being like just picturing myself successful oh, but for like five years old like you don't really I don't think you really think about what you know it's what success is no. but for me when I was a little kid, like I would think about those things and like my sister wouldn't think about those things also funny fact like me and my siblings were all self-employed like my brother's working on becoming self-employed right now so yeah, I think that maybe it is something that like, or something we were taught as kids, like my dad had a business, so, and your mom had a business too, so. Yeah, actually, that's fair. Yeah, I, maybe I, it's, I think that when people grow up with their parents or grandparents, actually, my grandpa was self-employed as well. Um, actually, my uncle's self-employed, my dad's side, like, we have a lot of self-employed people. Um, maybe it's just become more normalized. That's where I feel like if you, if you grow up with, like, parents who work in, like, a corporate office or a corporate job, um, maybe that's going to be more like you're going to be like more drawn to that because that's what's normal. The the path that you yeah look. like for me like seeing my dad like it was normal to see him sitting down and like doing book work at the table and talking about business and talking about money and deals and all these things. So maybe that's just what was more normal. And is actually really interesting too. My brother was talking about he was really upset that his friend, um, his friend and his dad they like do mechanical work together a lot. And my brother was like, I wish that our dad, like, taught me these, like, life skills. I'm going to tell you this story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the life skills. And I said to to my brother Davis, I was like, it's, you are picking up on the wrong thing because, like, my dad hired everything out. So, like, we never worked on our own cars. I mean, obviously, like, we've worked on some things. Not vehicles, but, like, there was new things. And my dad always just hired a lot of jobs out. So that's like what I absorbed. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have enough money where I can actually hire jobs out. I don't have to do everything by myself. Yeah. Um. So my brother was like, yeah, that's actually a really good point because, yeah, I guess just like seeing what your parent, how your parents lived, you can kind of take, again, you can take the the good out of any situation, yeah. I suppose, instead of yeah. looking at it negatively being like, 
why wasn't I taught this thing? Why didn't I do this thing? Yeah. Instead of being like, oh, well, this is another thing that I was shown that I should do or that yeah. I could do or that yeah. that's possible. It's like normal. I think I'm going to ask people that on this podcast. Like if people's parents are still unemployed, I'm very curious about that. I think it's really cool. Some podcasts, like I said, Tim Ferriss, there's other ones where they have like a set of questions that they ask everybody and yeah. always the same questions yeah there's kind of that's an interesting yeah it's kind of cool to see what people's answers are yeah because i never thought about that because your dad's not self-employed right no and your mom's not now but she was for a long time she was for a bit yeah well i i mean yeah i guess well i was working out of a salon but i guess that's self-employed yeah she was a hairdresser yeah um, okay, so I want to talk about this, which we kind of briefly touched on earlier, um, but Caitlin working in essentially like primarily a man's world and around a lot of men. Um, and then with us going to this business group meeting for women, um, Caitlin was talking about we left the meeting and Caitlin brought up that she was like, I felt so uncomfortable being in a group of space of women. And I think I want you to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so I don't, I think just a lot of it comes from how I grew up. Um, I was very much the girl who was like going dirt biking with my guy friends, snowboarding with my guy friends. I had friends that were girls too, like obviously I was friends with you, but I don't know. I just like had my like, I just, I felt more comfortable with guys. I, I was the oldest um, at the time I had two younger brothers and my dad we like always went camping together like my dad was really involved with all the things that we did like it was we were going snowboarding together dirt biking whatever camping was always with my dad and so I think I just like developed that it was just for me it was just easy to hang around guys and I didn't really have to guess what yeah they were feeling everyone was just like super open and honest and i never felt uncomfortable i understand that people have different experiences obviously this was just my experience and then transitioning into like the the workforce and living in grand prairie alberta and the experiences that i had working at like a sports bar and then working at the shop um i just i don't know i i enjoy like hands-on work and I think I just gravitated towards jobs that were very physically demanding and laborious and lots of times those are jobs that I there was lots of dudes that I work with um so I just I think I just grew up feeling a lot more comfortable around guys yeah so I recently made a post about this actually actually today at least today just talking about how the biggest thing that surprised me in my business, like in the beauty industry, is being able to connect with everybody who comes to me to see me so much. I, and I said this in my post, I convinced myself for a really long time that I was a lot more introverted than I really am. <laughs> and that I am terrible at connecting with women specifically. And that it scares me. That it, it was a scary thing. That was the... Out of all the things that I did when I learned new skills, started a business, at the beginning, the one thing that scared me the most was who my clients were going to be and who I was going to have to connect with on a daily basis because I just, I didn't have very much experience with that. And up until, you know, like moving back to the Okanagan, like I, I graduated and I went probably 
seven years of honestly not really having any friends. Yeah. I was very isolated. And this is where I convinced myself that I maybe I didn't need anybody, that maybe I was super introverted. And, and it's, it's only since starting my business and maybe like the year before that, like when I when you and I reconnected and I started actually getting out of my shell and connecting with people every single day in my business. And like, honestly, when I say that this is the biggest thing that surprised me and the most inspiring and like I've gained the most growth, I think, out of this whole experience of being a business owner and um, learning new skills is the human connection aspect of it. And mostly with women, just because all my, basically all my clientele are women. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, Every single person who comes to see me is so fucking cool. Yeah. They're so awesome. I truly feel like I truly feel very connected to everybody who comes in. And it's weird to sit here and say that that's what I'm the most surprised about. But I am. Yeah. I just think and I would say this lots starting my business. I'm like, if this business failed tomorrow for whatever reason, I learned so many things, you know, at least I know how to do this thing. I created my own website. I blah, 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 learned all these new skills. I would have so much to gain from this. But sitting here today, if my business failed tomorrow, I gained a whole new perspective and appreciation for people and women. And I even said at the end of this post that I put out there, just like, thank you to everyone who comes to see me and all my clients for sharing their stories because we're all just people trying to survive on the same planet yeah. and nobody fucking knows how to do it. No, that's so true. Okay, so if you had to give one piece of advice for someone in business, something that maybe you've learned recently or something that's really worked for you, what would that piece of advice be? This is a piece of advice that I honestly tell anybody who's willing to listen to me. <laughs> Just lots of clients. I, I do talk like pretty deep with most yeah, of yeah. clients. And I just tell people like, just fucking do the thing. Yeah. Especially if you're young, like before you have kids, before you have a mortgage, like don't worry about that shit. Yeah. Go travel, go do the weird thing. Go meet some random guy and travel to California. Like just do the things because even if it's an experience that wasn't like, oh my God, that was the best experience in my whole entire life. It's an experience that is going to grow with you. Yeah. And it's going to come up at some point in your life. Just yeah. do things. Yeah. Experience things. Experience life. The most valuable thing that we have is our time. It's not money. It's our time because we're going to die at some point. We're going to die. Everybody's going to die at some point. And it's what you do with your time and how you choose to spend your time, that's the most valuable thing. Yeah, I'm so happy you brought up the money piece because that was the best piece of advice that I actually ever received. I was probably 21 when I got that piece of advice. And the advice was, um, there is always more money. And there, I, at the time, I had no money. And at the time, I remember hearing that and I was like, bitch, I don't know money. I'm like, you're like 70 years old. Like this is an older woman. I was like, you are old and you're rich. Like, she had this gorgeous house. And I was like, easy for you to fucking say, lady. Yeah. And then I'm sure there's people listening thinking that 
Yeah, you're gonna hear like people are gonna hear that. They're gonna be like, "Bitch, I can't pay my fucking mortgage. I can't pay my rent. I'm literally not eating." Like, I get, it. I understand. But now being a little bit older, I'm like, and I've invested so much money into my business. I've, and I'm not only a big traveler. Like you're a big traveler. Like that's something that I've struggled with, and something I'd like to be a little bit better about spending money on because it's it's so about the experience. And I'm gonna travel. I would like to (laughs) um but I think that very often we hold ourselves back when it comes to money and because money it costs money to travel it costs money to take a program it costs money to learn how to get into eyelashes microblading whatever the thing is but there's literally it's also fucking stupid but everybody says there's like no such thing as a bad experience or but there's literally not like, I don't care if you, your whole business went bankrupt and that fucking sucks. At the end of the day, you're going to learn so much of, from that situation if you could literally just like sit in and like that. I'm such a big like reflection person. That's something I've grown to love and um, I'm, a, I'm an emotion suppressor. So now like sometimes I just have to like sit with myself and really like tune in and be like, okay, what did I get from that situation? And if you don't spend money on things, you were literally going to hold yourself back from progressing in every single way. So get comfortable um, spending money on things, even if it feels stupid. I know a lot of people have like money guilt issues. I know you had that problem at the very beginning. I remember you literally saying that you're like, I went shopping for clothes and you're like, I literally feel so guilty about buying like a $20 shirt. And I was like, in my mind, I don't have guilt over those things. Mine's like more of like spending over 500. That's like my limit. And <laughs> mine's 20. You no, know but like I probably at a, point, at a point in my life, there was probably a moment where I was like, oh, should I buy this $20 thing? But like mm-hmm. now I just am so comfortable. Um, that's something I'm still working on because I'd like to be able to spend larger sums of money and just always knowing that money is going to be flowing back in. There's always more money. Yeah. And honestly, that's something that I that I have said to people too. There's always an opportunity to make more money because like I tell honestly I have young people who come to see me as clients and I had such a good conversation with this one chick um she's from Ireland I think and we just talked for so long about traveling and what she should be doing what she wants to be doing blah 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 and I literally said I'm like dude you have these opportunities to make money you have those things lined up if you need to, you can always go back to those things and make that money. There's always more opportunities to make more money. You're not going to have those opportunities right yeah. here. Yeah. That's so so just think about it. You just got to try different things. Okay. And another thing that I, I'm going to start asking everybody at the end of every episode, what do you think is your best and your worst quality? And while you think on that for a quick second, this is something that if you don't know this about me, you probably don't know this but... <laughs> the listeners might not know so me i love to ask people really random questions some people find it really annoying and some people love it but that that question of what do you think is your best quality and what do you think is your worst quality is something that i ask a lot of people um that i come that i meet and i just always think it's such an interesting thing that and then i always ask people if they're circumcised or uncircumcised. <laughs> do you? i used to i went through a phase i was so curious i had to like i just need to know <laughs> Oh, I'd be curious because I think that we like. <laughs> I think <laughs> that is actually around this guy. My friend was dating as like multi-millionaire, and um, I said to him because he was very, he's very successful, and I was like, "That makes a difference." No, so I, I was sitting. It was the first time I met him. He took us up to this like beautiful dinner in the city, and like, 
it was like it's a gorgeous house like brings us back to this beautiful house and um, we're sitting there after and he served us dessert and he's like um i said i have a really random question that i need to ask you and my question was about like what is valuable to him in life because he's so successful yeah. i was like i want to learn something from this guy yeah so he's, he was like two years older than me like 27 at the time fucking multi-millionaire right so i'm like what can i learn from this guy and he looks at me and he's like no i'm not circumcised <laughs> <laughs> And I was like dying because it was my really good friend, her boyfriend, right? So she told him, she's like, Emily's going to fucking ask you if you're circumcised or not. And I wasn't going to ask him because I was like uncomfortable. But I was like, this guy's like so elite and so successful. And it was, it was so funny. And they're not together anymore. But I really like, he kind of won me over with that. Yeah. With that. Was, oh, absolutely. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll catch you. Yeah. It was funny. He's like, I'm mad at my parents because they circumcised my brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just rude, wasn't it? Which, which it doesn't matter. No, I don't know. Although I don't care. I just ask, like, because I always just think it's an interesting. I don't know why it's so interesting. But I was asking if does that matter? Because I'm, I wonder if there's like a personality trait to Ooh. not, or because I feel like it's a family. It's a family. The family decides, and you grew up in a grow up in a certain family. Yeah, like yeah, I yeah. I mean, but if I had more boyfriends of a specific kind than. Me, actually, that's not true. Mine's probably been 50 50. I don't think I have a preference. I don't think I really. I mean, it's just the way your body is. It's with everything. It's like, you can look at me and I don't know. <laughs> All good. So I think, I think my best and my worst qualities are probably the same thing. That's, a, I think that for me too. That's immediately what comes to mind. And, I'll touch on the perfectionism thing because we we're talking about it earlier. Mm-hmm. Because I do, I do think that the way that I am, like, I, I'm very, I see everything. I'm very detail oriented, and yeah, a perfectionist. Um, and I think that pushes me to be good at a lot of things that I do. Mm-hmm. Again, like not to like blow inflate myself or anything, but it always pisses my boyfriend off because he always says that I'm good at basically everything that I dropped into. Like as an entry level thing. Like I can pick up most things and be like somewhat okay at it. And I honestly feel like it's because I'm analyzing every single little thing so much that even when I pick up something that I've never done before, I've watched somebody do it. I've seen something on it. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just remember how to do it. But at the same time, I feel like those, like we mentioned before, even being a perfectionist or over analytical really prevents me from doing things too, because I know how much work it's going to take, or I know what I need to put into it, or it's like paralysis by analysis. Like I get that so much. I always find and I don't know, maybe my worst and best quality is just my brain because uh, I uh, I overthink and I'm one of those people who, who like constantly has chatter in their brain and I talk myself out of a lot of things and it's, it is my biggest, I am my biggest obstacle. My yeah. brain, my brain talking to me and telling me that I can't do things or what are all the things that could, could go wrong is my I love, obstacle. I love this because... I don't know if anyone's into horoscopes. I recently have been like so getting into horoscopes. Caitlin's an Aquarius and like I've been learning about Aquarius a little bit more. My partner's a Gemini, so we have the air signs. Like 
okay air signs in general but like aquarius specifically like they are so misunderstood because they have like such a different way of thinking about things and i think about that with my partner too being a gemini like the brain of an air sign like i literally can't everyone who i talk to does another business really talk to she's an aquarius as well and it's literally you guys are like the exact same person like she's like I have to like dig through so much shit in my brain to like get things done. And I'm like, there's so much trash in there. Yeah. Like sometimes my boyfriend Riley will. You guys are just like heavy shit. Like Aquarius is like fucking heavy. <laughs> heavy, but also like Riley will ask me like, oh, like what do you do? Literally fucking nothing. But there's <laughs> just, it's just, I'm thinking about so many things and it's uh, trash. Like I can't, I cannot yeah. give you anything of substance right now. Mm-hmm. I love that when I heard that about the the Aquarius, like the, the most misunderstood sign, because you guys just do things so differently. I think air signs in general are kind of misunderstood, but like Aquarius specifically, um, just very really interesting. And like like having these deep dive conversations with you because it, it's it's just interesting how different people function, whether or not you believe in horoscopes or personalities. Have yeah, any of these things, it doesn't really matter. Um, but everyone is just so unique and different. Well, I find that interesting because both my boyfriend and I are we're both Aquarians. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand that for myself, I'm probably misunderstood. I do feel like that. Yeah. But it's just been recently where I'm like, maybe I misunderstand my boyfriend. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, you guys are both Aquarius. So maybe he's misunderstood. <laughs> we're both misunderstanding <laughs> each other and we're both misunderstood. <laughs> That's, That's not how it goes. It's just how it goes. Um, okay, so thank you so much for coming on. It was such a blast having you. I'm sure that we're going to do this probably like 1,200 times. Oh, yeah, look. Like every time you come over, we'll just like come sit. We're literally sitting on my floor right now, like just come and sit into that our pod. What do you call it? The pod lab? <laughs> the pod <part> lab. <laughs> Which is my actual, my office. <laughs> on the floor. On the floor. Um, yeah, we'll probably just like come in here and hang out again. And yeah, we'll just find a topic to, to toss to talk for the day. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks. This is so much fun. I know. It was fun. This is the first time I've talked on a podcast, and I'm not a talky person. So. You're such a talky <laughs> You are a talky person. Not to, like, the world. <laughs> yeah. As for me, I'm like, I can just talk about anything. Yeah. Never will. I will. Yeah. Okay. Okay, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>